thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Hello and welcome to Football Digest uh, with myself, Andy Dull, Chief Sports Writer from the Daily Mirror, my uh, Daily Mirror colleague, football writer Simon Bird, and um, football writer from the football unboxing writer from the uh, Daily Star, Chris McKenna. We may be bringing a sub on later on, well, an added person anyway, and um, to talk about this season's Premier Henry, here's Matt Dunn, um, makes an appearance from Daily Express. Um, right, guys, we've got um, a 45 minutes to look ahead to the Premier League season. Um, but judging by the way it's going to go, that might be about 10 minutes of added time, you never know, so it might last an hour or so. Uh, we'll take it from there. Um, I know we've all, we've probably all committed to um, print what we think about um, how it's going to go this season. Um, and don't forget the football season has been underway for some time, um, both down in Australia and obviously with the EFL and some great Carabao Cup matches this week as well. But obviously, first game of the Premier League tomorrow night, Burnley um, entertain Man City and then a full weekend of fixtures. It's that time of year uh, when we decide who's going to win, who's going to go down, who's going to be top scorer, who's going to be the standout players. Um, um, Chris, I'm going to start with you. Um, first of all, do we see City and Arsenal again as the main protagonists in the in the title race, or is it more open this time? I think it's more open for the battle for second. Um, I still think that Man City are going to go and do it again, um, four in a row. Um, I, I expect a little drop off. Obviously, they've won the treble and, and that, but I don't think they'll lose grip on the Premier League. The Champions League might be more difficult. Going for the Cups might be more difficult just because that little bit of edge mightn't be there because they've done the treble now. But I still think they'll be so desperate to win. I think Pep will want to win the league again, be the first in the Premier League year to do it in four in a row. That's another Manchester United record they could take. Um, So I think they'll be desperate to do that. So I think it's more for who can be... can. If somebody else emerges a title challenger, I think Liverpool can come back a bit. I think Manchester United have strengthened well, but not well enough to really push City. But I think they've strengthened just about enough, I think, to to mix it up with Arsenal a bit more this season. So I think it might be more open for second. Who One of those teams, I think, will kind of emerge and, and push City a bit, but I still can't see anybody, anybody who has done enough business this summer to overtake City, even with City being slightly weaker, losing Gundogan, I think. Yeah, slightly weaker. It depends, of course. They could they could lose others before the end of the of the transfer window. We have to caveat this whole discussion with, you know, a lot can still happen between now and when the transfer window um, shuts in, in in three weeks' time. Um, Simon, do, do you see City again, I mean, I guess we all do, as the overwhelming favourites? Or do you think, like Chris says, that maybe after three consecutive wins, they did everything last year, won the treble. Psychologically, will it be hard for them to get really back up for it? So, yeah, I mean, Champions League, it, it will be psychologically difficult for uh, Man City. Tra- the, the treble was a huge achievement. You usually see a little bit of edge come off a team when they've reached that kind of destination, winning the Champions League, um, basically achieving everything they, they wanted to last year. Uh, and Arsenal pushed them hard last year, just five points adrift. And I've got a kind of optimistic feeling that Arsenal, Arsenal can build on that season that they had um, just falling short. And, you know, I love uh, Rice as a player and he's a magnificent signing. I think not only will he add hugely individually to the Arsenal team, 
I think he'll bring even more out of people like Odegaard and the rest of the midfield. And, I, and I'm feeling, I think Arsenal are going to make an even better run of it than last year. And I wouldn't be surprised if going deep into the season, we have a, a three-way title race as well with Ten Hag having settled in a little bit more at Man U and got a few more of his players building from the back um, with the new goalkeeper, etc. So, So I think it'll be a three-way title race till probably February, March. The top two, Arsenal and City will pull away and I'm feeling pretty optimistic about Arsenal's chances this year. And I think it would be good for the Premier League if it was mixed up a little bit. I mean, four in a row for Man City, it started to look like a one, like a closed shop almost with just one winner. And then they said five out of six they've won as well with just Liverpool in 2017. So um, I think it'd be good for the Premier League if we saw Arsenal going one, going one better than last year. Yeah, for what it's worth, I think that a lot of people are talking about, obviously they've lost Mares, they've lost Gundogan, um, they may, who, who knows, you know, it looks like Kyle Walker's going to stay, Bernardo Silva, I mean, we have this perennial now discussion about whether he's going to go or not. But even so, you know, they signed Gavardiol, they signed um, Kovacevic, and, you know, I, I, you would expect them, um, if the noises are to be believed, to sign Paqueta as well. And, you know, Paqueta, you know, strikes me as the type of player that Pep Guardiola will get the absolute best out of. So to me, the, the, the squad will be equally as strong. I just think it is a question of, you know, whether or not... I listened to Kevin De Bruyne after the Community Shield, and I'm not saying he he, 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 he didn't sound, like, demotivated, but, you know, he, he wasn't full of the joys of, like, you know, pre-season, let's get at him again. So so I think that's probably one of the main things that people can cling to, is that maybe City will find it hard to actually go against the levels that we know um, Pep wants them to. Simon's mentioned it in Arsenal. He, 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 Simon sounds quite bullish about Arsenal's chances of repeating the challenge they had, which obviously only faded very, very late on. You know, it's, it's easy to forget how well they did for so much of that season. Um, a remarkable first, you know, two-thirds, three-quarters of the season. They've signed Rice, you know, they've got Timber Habits. Um, I don't know whether Ray isn't quite done yet, is it? But do you see them, like Simon does, being even stronger this season? And with the benefit of that experience of last season, which Arteta now has done for because he is essentially still an inexperienced manager. Do you see them as the main challenges to what would you assume would be their Manchester City? In a word, no. Um, I'm sorry. It's, it's really hard. I, I, they so People forget how much they overachieved last season. They weren't... In the, no, we, we would have sat here last year and I don't think any of us have mentioned them for, for a top four position, let alone challenging for the title. Saka had an incredible season and, and stayed fit for the entirety of it pretty much. Uh, and that was key. Um, they, they're starting the season without a striker, which is a massive problem. I mean, they got away to a flyer last year um, and that really helped them. Rice makes them stronger, definitely. No question about it. The players he signed makes them stronger um, individually. But it is so flimsy. You lose Saka to a bad injury uh, and I think they're struggling. Odegaard could be the player we're talking about next um, May as the kind of De Bruyne figure. Who he's that he could be that good, but he's got to have that sort of incredible season again to to keep Arsenal in contention. Their big problem is there's a question mark over where the goals are going to come from without Jesus at the start, and there's a question mark still over that centre defensive bearing that has been there since the Invincibles time. They've never really cracked that. They are going to concede goals. They, you know, I watched some preseason against Monaco and concede a couple of embarrassing goals. And uh, and that's going to be their Achilles heel. Uh, 
for all, I mean, our, let's not underestimate how much Arteta overachieved last season with that squad. Um, they they aren't, they weren't ready for it then. Uh, and I don't know what they have learned from last season. They've learned that they can throw away an eight-point lead just like that. I don't know if you know they're in the same position, that means they'll never do it again, or if they'll just be nervous and think, oh, you know, we've been here before, lads, and we when we mucked it up. So, uh, so yeah, it's a huge question mark. Everything could come together as a perfect storm, and we'll be talking next year about the greatest Arsenal team, you know, are they as good as the Invincibles, whatever, or we'll be saying, well, another year without Champions League football. It's that much on a knife edge. It's interesting Matt sees that, um, Chris, and it's quite, you know, well, downbeat about Arsenal's chance of repeating their um, performances of last year because on Mirror Online today, there, there are um, a lot of predictions from from writers, um, and obviously most of them, a lot of them go for Manchester City. But the alternative that is the most popular to Manchester City isn't Arsenal. Um, the alternative to Manchester City it, that is the most popular um, amongst our so-called experts is Liverpool. Now, and that in a way surprises me because um, uh, I've just come back off holiday and I went out with a, with a few friends from from, um, from Liverpool um, last night. Um, and I can't find a Liverpool fan who is as optimistic as our writers are about Liverpool's chances. You know, they still feel there's this gap in, in, in central midfield, of a holding midfielder. They're not as enthusiastic, you know, maybe about, about the couple of signs they've made. They're not as enthusiastic about the signings they made last season kicking on, the likes of Gakpo and Nunes, whereas I think they actually will. I think Nunes will be a force to be reckoned with this season. None of them are tipping their own team for the title, yet they seem to be quite well fancied um, outside of their fan base. I mean, how do you see Liverpool progressing? Bear in mind, they finished how far behind? 20, mid-20s points behind uh, Manchester City last season? They have shown they can bounce back before because, of course, they were only just pipped in uh, sorry, they they they, they, they were twenty odd points behind in what was it twenty twenty one, and then we're only just pipped by a point in twenty one twenty two. Do you see Liverpool and Klopp bouncing back? It's it's really difficult because I think they they obviously the main focus this summer was rebuilding this midfield. But I say rebuilding. I think the word for at the start of the summer was refreshing. So you saw McAllister, you saw I can never say his name right, the Hungarian captain. Very, very good signing. And you're going, right, okay, they brought that in. They still have that experience there with Henderson and Fabinho. Um, who's, yeah, I get an older, certainly Henderson, his legs look, he's a player built on on his, his running and everything. So when his legs start to go, then his quality, we know that. Fabinho had a bad season. We didn't know whether that was just a one-off. Maybe Liverpool have seen more in training and that's why they've accepted a £40 million bid for him. But I think now the midfield is now undergoing a rebuild from the middle of the summer and they haven't got a number six in. And if they don't get a number six in, they're in in in, in kind of a bit bother. And Jamie Carragher was saying it on, on Gary Neville's fan debate show the other day. So Romeo Lavia is, is a good, really good young player. He's got bags and bags of potential, but they won't pay the money for it. For whatever reason, Said Adam have said it's fifty million, and they keep coming back short bits. He's either worth fifty million to Liverpool or he's not. But even if he is, is he good enough at the moment at nineteen to sit in in that number six and basically run that midfield like Fabinho did when he was at his best in the, in those seasons that you mentioned when they when they won the league when they went close to the league. 
he was massive, massive player. That position is so huge to how Klopp played. So a, a lot depends on them in getting a number six, whether that's Lavia whether that, or that's somebody else. I think they would need somebody more experienced. I don't think Trent is good enough defensively to play a number six. I certainly can see him playing more of that hybrid role or moving into midfield and rotating with either uh, maybe with McAllister on that uh, right side or the left side. Um, sorry, on the right side, not on the left. But I can't see him playing in the number six on his own just because of his defensive weakness. So where are they going to get that number six from? That's key. The other thing they need is, as you've mentioned, is, is Nunes to step up. Um, Gakpo looks, has looked decent. He was, he was a decent player in, in that run they put together in the second half of last season when they kind of flirted with getting into the Champions League race. Um, but Nunes has to really step up. He needs to be scoring north of 20 goals this season. Certainly in all competitions, they're going to be, even if they want to be pushing into the top four, they need Nunes to be firing. Because um, that's going to be a battle for them as well. It's getting back into that four and then pushing up to be title challengers. Because you're going to have Newcastle have strengthened. Chelsea are going to come back. Um, United have strengthened. Arsenal have strengthened. All these teams have strengthened as well as Liverpool. So it's not going to be that easy. But if they could get a really good number six, Wick Klopp, who is, I say, one of pound for pound, one of the best managers in the Premier League for what he's achieved um, against Pep Guardiola's all-conquering City, they can suddenly become title challengers. But it's massive to get a number six and it's massive that Nunes starts going. Because if they don't have those two things, then I think they'll, they'll actually be in a battle for the top four, never mind the title challenge. But that's not saying if they get those two things, I think they can challenge. Yeah, so Simon, talking about the battle for the top four, um, the top four, obviously, we mentioned City and Arsenal, was then made up of Manchester United and Newcastle United last season. In terms of Newcastle, again, I go back to the predictions and the, and the predictions I see in quite a lot of places. Um, there's not many people, um, despite their, their fantastic season and despite the ambitions they've got, the ambitions that are outlined in the in the um, in the documentary that know you've watched, um, um, the chairman suggesting he wants them to become a a Real is it or a Barcelona. Um, there's not many people thinking they can actually challenge for the outright title. Can they? No, I think this year the added burden of you know six at least six games in Europe before Christmas uh, is probably going to take the edge off them a little bit. They've, they've strengthened. I don't know. They've strengthened quite well. I mean. The, San, uh, Sandro Tonali is a good player, but there's doubts about whether he's combative enough for the Premier League at this moment off the ball in Eddie Howe's out of, out of possession shape. He's got a lot to uh, and lots to prove on, on that front. Harvey Barnes, strengthening in the left-wing position of their front three uh, when you've already got Anthony Gordon, who's had a great summer winning the Euros with the under-21s and looked great in the pre-season. There's a bit strange strengthening in a place, 40 million on a uh, position, but you've already kind of filled. And then... Um, Tiro Livermento right back, or does he play left back? We don't know yet. Um, 40 million to back up uh, Trippier. Is he going to back up Trippier? So there's some, it's kind of strange. They're strengthening the squad this year. So, so they are much better equipped. Uh, and if you look at the options he's got, he has got like a, t- a good team and a half now, and you can take two or three players out and replace them with, with real quality. So they're going to be up there. From what we've seen in preseason, the system is still functioning really well. Um, they're going to rely on Wilson and Isaac for goals. Which you know, it, I'm unconvinced whether they've got enough. I think that's one of their next priorities is to get a another striker in. Um, 
in the long term, not, not, not this window. So they have strengthened. I, I think they will challenge, challenge for the top four, but it's more likely, I think, within the club, they'll be kind of satisfied with the top six just to be part of the elite still. Um, once they've taken into consideration their, their, their Champions League campaign, which is going to kind of drain them emotionally as well as physically uh, because they're all looking forward to it so much. And Eddie Howe's told them to forget about it. That's in, that's in mid-September. Get on with the Premier League kickoff first. Um, but they're not title contenders at all. But having watched the documentary on Amazon Prime, which is coming out on Friday, you can't doubt the ambition of the club. They definitely they want to they want to be getting there right at the top. Murdad Gudusi said we want to be a Barcelona or a Real Madrid. They want to increase the value of the club by tenfold, and um, the Saudis from three hundred million to three billion. And but there's a big break on the on what Newcastle can do and the acceleration of their of their development with FFP rules. They're really frustrated, and Stavely is peed off. I think she used that, that word in the documentary, pissed off um, by those those rules and how it's breaking Newcastle and really relaunching and spending all the money that the PIF have got. So yeah, Newcastle is a development process and it's not going to be straight to number one. It's probably challenged for the top six this year. Yeah, it's a cracking game, Simon, is it, to kick off with? I mean, you know, once you get that, it, it, early season momentum, I think, is so much and you've got a great game live on TV, half past five, you know, nice evening in Newcastle. Villa coming to town, who, let's face it, Villa are one of the teams I think we've all got our eye on this, this season. They'll pro- provide a tough test. Should be a cracker, shouldn't it? Yeah, it, it'll be an absolute cracker. Um, and Emery's done a brilliant job with Villa. Obviously, he was first choice for the Newcastle job all, uh, a year and a half ago before Howe got it. And I saw Villa play Newcastle in pre-season. And they looked, they looked pretty powerful. And they were very dangerous in the first half against Newcastle. And we're taking them apart. So... Eddie Howe played a weird formation just to fool Emery in that game. He had a back three and it messed around with it and it was awful. Uh, but it is a, it, it is a, kind of almost a swing game for both clubs. You know, lose either, either team loses and the expectation is immediately punctured uh, at a time where both sets of fans, Villa and Newcastle, are really optimistic and nothing's gone wrong yet. So, yeah, it's a cracking battle, that one, on Saturday. And battle. And I think, don't they go, do they go to Man City the following week? Yeah, they've got a really, really tough start. The first six games is, is, is a massive test. That's why all talk of Champions League is out the window. Um, yeah, we'll know where Newcastle are, but they look, they're looking, they are looking decent in preseason. Down that left side with Bart Barnes, finished a couple beautifully in the in the preseason. Gordon's playing well. Is actually looking slippery. You know, they've got they've got really good options. Joe Linton's a massive presence. Bruno in the middle. Joe Linton on the left of the midfield. Bruno in the middle playing really well. Possibly Tonali on the right. Tonali showed some wonderful skill, you know, signed from AC Milan, Champions League semi-finalist last year. 55 million is spent on him. And on the ball, he looks top quality. I mean, he really does. However, in that friendly in pre-season, Buendia ran straight through him, smashed him off the ball and went surging through through the middle. So they've got they've, they've got to get Tonali up, up to speed on the Premier League competitive. Matt, we, we, um, we have mentioned Arsenal, to be fair. We've talked about them a bit, but, you know, it's mainly been Liverpool, Man United. Well, Man City will come on to, to Man United to Newcastle. Um, let's do a bit of London, mate. And, and two teams that we would normally we would normally be talking about in the in, in the sort of first half of a, of a show talking about who's going to win the Premier League, Chelsea and Spurs. Um, what's going on there? Which one of those? Two, let, let's just give you a simple question. Who finishes higher, Chelsea or Spurs? And where do they finish? I think on um, uh, neither of them will like where they finish, I think, because they both want to finish top four. I don't think either of them will quite do it. Um, Harry Kane's a big question mark over Spurs. I think at this stage of the season, if they lose him, they lose the best strike. I mean, last season, for all that Haaland achieved, 
for, for Harry Kane to score as many goals as he did in that Spurs team shows what a remarkable player he is. Uh, and actually, I think if he does stay, I don't think he'll be that disappointed because with a more attacking philosophy, I think he'll fancy himself to score 30 goals again next season. Uh, and that'll lift Spurs into contention. Whether it's enough for a top four, I'm not sure. Of course, Harry Kane gone, you're relying probably, I, I can see Levy trying to pull a fast one and get away with Richarlison up front um, uh, and keep his money in the bank. Um, uh, you know, and, uh, and I don't know how that'll work out at all because, you know, a uh, new manager, a new philosophy, a load of players to buy into a new system. Um, he's got all the recipe, uh, all the ingredients for recipe that could go horribly wrong. Um, or it could be a, the sort of refresh that they've needed for about three years. Now, over at Chelsea, Pochettino has been dealt a hand that's like a poison chalice to most managers. They've so misspent on all the wrong players in the last 12 months. They've tried to address the balance this summer, but he's got to be looking. He's using the same rhetoric, weirdly, as he used when he arrived at Spurs, saying promising something special at the club. But he's got to be given time to do that, I think, because he's relying on his man management to overcome the huge imbalance that he's got on the squad. And um, certainly without a striker now, he looks like, um, with Nkunku injured, uh, which is a massive blow for him. And one of his sort of get-out clauses was the fact that him and Jackson seem to be hit off pre-season. But he's got to try and balance that. I think Pochettino, if he's given the time, needs to be judged not over five years. He had a five-year plan at Spurs. It took him five years to get into the Champions League final. That was a remarkable achievement. I think with the amount they've spent, Chelsea would expect something quicker. But I think it's going to take him three years to, to really get them performing if he's allowed that amount of time. He's got to sort out Horlicks of a squad that, that's just a complete mess. He's got to find out what his best eleven is, um, try and find all the right positions for them. Um, so again, if they if Chelsea finish in the top four, I think people need to applaud what a great managerial achievement that is, even with that amount of spend, because it's all been spent on all the wrong items. Uh, and uh, yeah, um, I, th- I think the spirit of a battling perhaps for that fourth position, but but ultimately it'll be have to accept, you know, perhaps even one of them Europa League, the other one the ignominy of the uh, European Conference League, which for either of those two clubs, yeah, well, I suppose I'm, neither of them got that itch yet, but but either of them, that's not something you go into a season trying to achieve, is it? So uh, it just looks fairly bleak. Um, Postacoglu could raise the mood, but I think it, remain, it relies on Kane staying uh, at this stage for Spurs to have any sort of chance. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing how both managers get on. I mean, obviously, we know about Pochettino. Postacoglu, I think, will be fascinating. I think Spurs have made the best signing of the summer in James Madison. I think, uh, and I say, in, in, in terms of Kane staying, I think if Kane stays and what Madison can then provide for him, I think you're right, he could have an even better season. Um, uh, again, it just obviously depends on whether he stays. Chris, Pochettino, very popular, um, it seems, with uh, large sections of the media, despite not winning much. Um, can you see him making some sort of sense of what looked like, as Matt says, uh, an incredibly expensive and dysfunctional Chelsea squad? It's going to be very difficult for him. He, he kind of, at PSG, that was a big... A big job for him and you know a lot of big players there big egos and 
I don't think he dealt with it that well. Like they should have been doing far better in the Champions League than they did uh, with the squad that they had. Um, it is difficult in France because you're, you're playing at a lower level on the weekend, and then you're going into bigger games on a Wednesday. But he's walking into a job at Chelsea, which is so different to Spurs. When he was a success at Spurs, he was given time. He went in, he promoted young players. He was given that freedom to do that. He's obviously he's not going to be given that that luxury at Chelsea. And this whole idea that oh Abramovich is gone, so Chelsea are more forgiving and new owners and that we've seen that with Graham Potter. They'll, they'll they'll pull the trigger if it's not going right. And Pochettino had now got a manager under that stress, which which is a very, very different stress to what he had at Tottenham. Um I I, I see it's a massive rebuild they've done. They've changed so much. So I can see him maybe struggling at the start, maybe getting somewhere towards the end of the season. But I think if, if by the start of next season, if they don't look like they're going to be top four title challengers, I think he'll be gone. And I think that's how brutal it will be at Chelsea. No matter what, they're not. I don't see them giving them three years to, to become title challengers. If they're not mixing it back in Europe's elite, or looking likely by the end of not this season, next season, then he's got no chance there. Um, as you say, he hasn't won much, but this is a true test of how good he is. He just for so long was linked with that Manchester United job. It looked for so long that he was the right fit to go there. Um, but they went with Ten Hag, and that's been, that's been a good job for them so far. But this is where Pochettino's got to show that he is actually an elite manager. Um He's shown that he's got the potential to be an exceptional manager. PSG is disappointing, but this is his true test. Um, and this is the kind of, I suppose, will make a big break his career. Do I think he can do it? I'm sitting on the fence. I'm not sure, but I just don't think Chelsea's a healthy club for, for managers that are under pressure that it, for their reputation to show they're really elite. As Simon, Chris mentioned here that Pochettino was forever being linked with the Manchester United job. Um, Eric Ted Hogg, as Chris said, got it instead. Um, how do you think his first season should be judged? And how do you think his second season will and should be judged? And how will they do this season, Manchester United? Have, have they made good investments in the summer? Are they going to kick on? Was last season progress? Last season was definitely progress. I mean, it looked a bit of a mess from the outside. It didn't look pretty disjointed. It wasn't like watching from the outside. It wasn't like watching Man U of old when there was a system that worked. And we, we got a lot out of Rashford last year, which is... The key point. I mean, you get Rashford scoring that many goals, 20, 30 goals a season, and you've got a chance. And they've certainly had a had a goal in the summer. Is, is it about 170 million they spent or near a 200 million euros? Um, Hoyland, is he? I mean, they need to get him scoring, um, leading the line. Mount is a good signing. Um, at, even at 50 million, uh, you, they can get the best out of him, really buzzing uh, around creating and running the midfield. And then he certainly needed that. I mean, De Gea had to go. It, it was too, there was too many ricks and not good enough with his feet and not good enough in the modern kind of way of playing from a goalkeeper. And, and to have Onana, who he's worked with in the past and he knows how he how he plays from the back, is a kind of important, a really important signing as well, just to get the structure of the team when when they're building from possession from the goalkeeper, which is so important these days, um, to get that right. I think his second season will be judged a little bit more harshly. I mean, they won the Carabao Cup and, and did a great job on Newcastle in this, in the final. Um, a really, really uh, you know, comprehensive win, really. Newcastle were poor. Um, so they've, they've got a trophy in the bank, but he wasn't, that day, he wasn't happy with that. He, he said this is just another stepping stone on the way to winning more trophies. So I think that's how he's going to be judged next season. 
there's got to be a trophy, at least um, one trophy per season at Man United. I don't know which one it'll be this year. Maybe the Carabao again or the FA Cup, because I don't think they're going to win win the other ones. Um, so he's going to be judged more harshly, but I think it'll be another step forward. Whether you're looking for the great big leap to be the title contender is probably not going to happen. Um, but certainly, you know, they'll be up there in the top three and on the tails of the top two for a good part of the season. Matt, any um, we've talked about all the well, I, I guess now now we accept the Newcastle are part of the elite. We've talked about all the big seven, really. Um, um, what used to be the big six, now the seven. Um, are there any springers? Is there a Leicester City of 2015-16? I think Aston Villa will fancy themselves as seven and a half. Um, uh, Brighton, you don't know about because they've kept some key players. They've obviously lost some players, but they did that last year. And I really think Deserby's an incredible coach who will, again, make it difficult for teams to play against. Um, but, I mean, realistically, that they could flirt with the Champions League place the same as they did last year, but it's so hard for a small club now in the Premier League. Yeah, that Leicester City season was remarkable. It, it caught a lull of pretty much all the big clubs. You know, Arsenal, you know, the famous uh, you know, Spurs are blamed for not hunting them down, but it was Arsenal on top of the Premier League in January, uh, and they couldn't see it out. Um, I think, yeah, we will, yeah, one year in the next 40 or 50, we'll say all this again and it will be proved wrong. But, but it is, it's a once in a generation kind of a, an event that, that, and yeah, to be talking certain title challenges, then it's hard to look outside Manchester City, to be honest. So, uh, so looking that far down the table just seems a little bit it might change some predictions, but there's reports now that Tottenham have accepted a bid from Bayern Munich for Harry Kane. So that that might change some uh, some top six predictions certainly for Tottenham. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it, I, I I always thought that the bid would be accepted. I assume now it's it, it's over to you, Harry and and Matt. You being a uh, probably finger on close more closely on the pulse of Spurs and Harry Kane. Harry Kane had put himself in the perfect position. He was really really upset two years ago when Daniel Levy refused to let him talk to Manchester City about that move that he felt that he was entitled to. Turned out not to be worth the paper it wasn't written on, you know, that agreement. But it set his mind to thinking, I'm not going to do you personally any favours. At the same time, he didn't want to upset Spurs at any point. Um, the uh, this, this doesn't surprise me, this latest... Uh, so the only thing I don't know Bayern Munich well enough to know whether they come back again but the moment they put a deadline on Daniel Levy last week that was almost like a red rag to a bull and you knew Levy was going to say was going to ignore it completely and then it was up to Munich whether actually they could swallow their pride and say yeah we'll come back again with a bit more Levy desperately whatever Spurs have said this summer needs to sell Kane because he was not going to commit to a new contract uh, this summer. So they faced the real fear of losing him for nothing next summer. Um, Kane, I think, it's not guaranteed that he'll go, um, because I think either way he'd resolved himself. If the season had kicked off with him in a Spurs shirt, he'd have stayed there, because he um, he knows he's got a choice. He, I think he's enjoying playing a more attacking style of play with uh, Plastikoglu. He, he fancied himself to get a lot nearer to Aaron Shearer's record than he would have done 
under some of the previous managers. And uh, and that, that you know he does love he does love a record. But at the same time, he's always wanted to win things. I think you know his missus has been house hunting in Munich, which is a nice part of the world. You know, so I think he kind of set aside mind to you know perhaps I'm due a new challenge after 13 years at the same club. So I, I think he'll probably go, and I think he'll go knowing that he has the blessing of all right-minded Spurs fans because he's done everything he possibly could to try and lift Spurs. Um, it was always going to be about whether me came in with enough money to keep Levy happy. Uh, and Levy was going to hold them to the extra mile, which he's done. So his sort of reputation is intact is that, in, that he ignored the deadline from one of the biggest clubs in the, in the world. You know, he's got he's got the, the, the money that, that he wants. Uh, and now I can see that progressing fairly quickly now. Um, it's a shame for Spurs because I think Levy will try and cope for him, cope with him on the cheap. There is that question mark over whether Richarlison can be the Brazilian Richarlison rather than the sulking bench warmer that he has been at Spurs this season, yeah, last season. Um, but I don't think it's good for Spurs long. Yeah, in the short term, it may be what they need to actually reinvent themselves, go again. Uh, and build a squad that can get into that top four um, over the next couple of seasons. But uh, yeah, if Kane goes, he goes with the blessing of everyone, I think, at Spurs. Uh, most people in the Premier League. Uh, let's hope he wins a few medals. Well, something more than the Bundesliga, which will always feel like a bit of a short change for someone who deserves probably a lot more medals than, than he's won so far. I mean, Chris, you say if Kane goes, that might change predictions. But I'm not sure many people had spares with or without Kane um, to be to be um, to be pulling up um, significant trees. Um, and we were talking about the big seven uh, and um, whether any springers out of the park and Aston Villa. You know, even at Brighton, as as Matt said, they were, they were fantastic last season. Well, he doesn't think so, and. Judging by last season, if if I remember rightly, you know, with, with about a dozen games to go, maybe even less, there was like I don't know six points between you know the um, the eighteenth place club and the ninth or te- or eighth place club. Are we going to see much of the same? And if that's the case, who are we looking at to being under? Um, I mean, who are we expecting to go down? Basically, I, I mean, I always I always find it a bit hard and a bit. Yeah, a bit tough to say, oh, well, they're, you know, I mean, clearly now if you're a Luton Town fan, you're looking at the predictions, you're bottom of the table every time. It doesn't always work out that way, obviously. But who do you see um, as consigned only to a relegation battle or, or already before the season even starts? You know, there'll be clubs like West Ham, Brighton, you know, even Fulham, who will be more hopeful of vying for a top half of the table finish. Which clubs now? you know, really will realistically think survival is a triumph next season. Well, there's a lot of them. Um, there's a lot of Forrest and, and those who, who were, were not fortunate enough. They, they did what they needed to do to stay up. Um, but the teams you're looking at, I think Sheffield United is obviously not a very harmonious there at the minute. They, they, they've agreed yesterday to sell the midfielder and Sander Berg to Burnley. 
there was a bit of trouble with him over it. Like he wanted to stay, but they didn't want to keep him. And if he wouldn't sign a new contract, there was a lot. There's lots of stuff that, that the fans aren't happy with the lack of investment there, which they've got Saudi owners, and then it shows that even even with Saudi owners, it doesn't doesn't mean you're just going to be cash rich. Um, but I think they're obviously one. Luton is a funny one. I think they might have a little new season bounce. Um, one of the new, sometimes you see a new team that comes up and they they string a few early results together, just shock value. Um, I haven't looked at the fixtures. Maybe they've got a tough run, but they might. I still think they'll be they'll be red hot contenders to go down. Bournemouth are another club. I thought I've been we've been here before where you've criticised teams for changing a manager when he seems to have done a good job. Um, Brighton was one a few years ago where everybody was like, Chris Hewton's done a good job, he doesn't deserve to be sacked. And then Potter comes in and does a great job. Bournemouth have done something similar. Gary O'Neill came in there last year, did fantastic on a, in a really tight budget, in a really tough position, and he kept them up um, and got them playing some good football. He's gone. They brought in a foreign manager in Areola. Um, I think I'm saying that right. Um, and we don't know what he's going to do. I don't think they've got a great squad, so I think they're another one that would be a big contender to go down. But it's so hard to predict, as you say, because so many of these teams are, are under pressure from the off, and that can do funny things to you because it's so big now to stay up, absolutely huge, and they they feel that pressure from the very first game. So. Yeah, I think you're looking at anybody that was kind of bottom half last year, apart from maybe Chelsea, um, will be will be fancy and that will be fancy to be in that relegation battle again. But my three probably would be Bournemouth, uh, Sheffield United, and unfortunately Luton. I mean, obviously, the team you know a lot about, um, and I do, um, Everton. Um, I, I genuinely think that the at the start of last season, I tipped them to be. Uh, relegated. I mean, fortunately, it was just very slightly wrong um, in the improved wrong. However, I don't see anything that's happened at Goodison Park that's going to change that. And another place, Simon, which is a bit odd at the moment, is um, is Wolves. What's going on at Wolves? Um, you know, talk about Gary O'Neill and, and he's end up there. Um, changing the manager this close to the start of the season, that can't help, can it? Oh, there must be big problems when the fans aren't happening there behind the scenes. Um, and you don't go into the season needing a new manager. Uh, and having lost a, a, a big player to, to Saudi Arabian money as well. So, I mean, I, I think Wolves have probably got a little bit too much quality in there. And if they can pull themselves together, they'll probably be okay. Um, I mean, we, there's no guarantees, though. That clubs can fall apart behind the scenes and you don't know what the dressing room atmosphere is. And it depends if the person who comes in can galvanize that or Gary O'Neill could galvanize it, you know. Um He's a good coach, so you know I, I think Wolves will be okay. I, I'm not going to worry about them. I think that the, the three going down, Luton, uh, and they'll be fun. And that you know the away entrance through the through the terrace houses is, is a great a great story for the Premier League. It shows that everyone can dream. I think that's a great story. But Luton will enjoy their. Hopefully, they'll reinvest the money. But I think they're going to go down. They'll get some good home results though, because it's a difficult place to to be. Chef United disarray behind the scenes. They've they've lost. If you look at the stats, of four or five players they've lost all the all the people who've got their goals and their assists last year. Um, so they're they're hugely in need of investment. They might get Tuba Akpom from from Borough if they can pull that one off for eight for eight million ish. Um, which would he's the championship player of the year last year, um, and lead, leading goal scorer. So that would boost them, but still Sheffield United probably go down. And I thought Bournemouth as well, the new and experienced manager are, are vulnerable with Forrest and Burnley, although Burnley great manager and company should should have enough. 
and Everton. I mean, you you always got to. I think Dyche has got enough to keep Everton up, and he's he's a he's. But there's not going to be much more joy than staying up for Everton this this year. So they they're my favourites. Um, I'm usually an expert on the relegation battle because Newcastle are usually down there, but you know it's quite nice to not be looking at that end of the table at the, at the minute. Matt, any any surprises for you? Any 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 shock contenders for dropping to the championship? Uh, I disagree with Simon on Wolves. I think they need to be careful this season. Uh, they flirted with it badly and didn't get enough goals. And uh, yeah, they're, uh, it doesn't send the right messages out to be changing managers just before the season. So I think they're 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 they've got to consider themselves contenders and fight their way out with all that quality. Um, but I can see that going down in a you know flamey ball of fl- uh, ball of flames. Um, Luton, I think, are obvious contenders probably to get relegated. Much uh, we all want to be romantic, but there's a few clubs in the Championship slightly myth that Luton are allowed to go into the Premier League when they've all invested in their stadiums and Luton haven't. And uh, I think there is that point to be made that, you know, you have to be ready to go to the Premier League. It is the Premier League for a reason. You know, win the FA Cup if you want to be the, you know, champion of the the everyman. Uh, go ahead and do that. I'd, no, yeah, I'd cheer them all the way to up every one of the 100 and whatever it is steps these days uh, to doing that. But I do... I do Sort of thing. If you're in the Premier League, you've got to be a Premier League club, and uh, and and that and there's lots of clubs in the Championship who built stadiums ready to make that sort of charge. So yeah, why why it's fun? Perhaps I'm slightly cut of the fact I've been there in the last twelve months, so uh, I know what it's like. And although it looks great from the outside, and you watch the telly pictures, it you know it's not a great stadium to cover football at. You know, it's supposed to be the greatest league in the world, and while it's fun, you know. You've also got to have a sense of realism that, that there is a some sort of kudos in being in the Premier League. Um, and I'm going to be the miserable guy who just says, you know, there's no fairy tale there. You know, win the, yeah, win the FA Cup. Let's just keep it at that. Um, but, uh, and, and then um, I think uh, Sheffield United weren't strong enough to stay up last time they were there. And I'm not sure they're any stronger this time. So uh, I think they've got to be candidates. I'm not even going to ask you guys for predictions in terms of who's going to win it because I think we all know where we're probably going with that. I just want very quickly, just what from each of you, one player that you're particularly looking forward to watching this season. It's very briefly and very and why? Just out of intrigue, I'm looking forward to seeing um, Rasmus Holland. I just don't know what he's going to bring. Um, a lot of money, um, nine goals in Serie A. Ten Hag and his scouts have obviously seen something in him. Could be great, could be um, an absolute shambles, but um, it'll be exciting either way with that one plays out. So I'm going to I'm going to be parochial, and I'm fascinated by Sandro Tonali, Champions League semi finalist, chose Newcastle, just you know, home homegrown boy, left Milan for Newcastle to be part of their part of their midfield, and it's one of those all the other signings have been romantic and and kind of speculative to rescue Newcastle, and this is kind of a new departure for Newcastle signing. 100% quality and um, 60 million, 55 million quid to actually kick them on from a level of fourth to somewhere else. So um, you can't afford to get those deals wrong. And I think he's going to be a wonderful player. I think Eddie Howe will get a lot out of him. Uh, and I can't wait to see what he can bring bring to Newcastle. I don't go for, I mentioned him earlier. Um, I think uh, Martin Odegaard, I think he could be an incredible player. Uh, and I think a lot rests on whether he is an incredible player. So how asked 
but I would enjoy watching him uh, every time I go to the Emirates because of the corner of my eye. I can also keep an eye on Declan Rice, and I'll be interested to see whether he is a hundred million pound midfielder, which I think he can be, um, rather than naysayers who suggest that he's a little bit overpriced. So yeah, those are the kind of two in tandem that I'll be interested to see how they. I'm hoping to see. I mean, bear in mind the news that's breaking. I'm hoping to see Harry Kane in the Premier League next season. I think it's a great narrative, a great storyline. Um, uh, let's see, let's see if he, um, if if now that Spurs have accepted the offer, whether or not he decides Munich's the place for him. Um, we'll wait and see on that one. For now, though, um, let's look forward to the Premier League this weekend, guys. And um, hope you all enjoy it, whichever games you're going to. I'll probably see you, Simon, up at St. James Park. And um, Chris, enjoy the boxing. Matt, where are you going, mate? Chelsea, Liverpool. Looking forward to it. Enjoy it all. And here's to a great new Premier League season. And thanks for everyone for watching and for listening.